Hi guys, we're here for another episode of MC Anime. This is going to be the eighth episode. I'm the host, MC Anime. And what we're doing today is we're focusing on anime in the workforce. So when you think of anime in the workforce, there's a couple situations that come up. We have the corporate aspect of America, and the, the corporate lifestyle like Japan is very heavily influenced by working. We also have illustrators, comics, cr you know, creative kind, the mechanical labor. When you have a workforce, very interesting to establish in roles. So, you know, you got the fast food worker, the convenience store, the grocery clerk, all of the people working in a workforce in any particular country or setting is making the economy go. They're essential to part of the economy. Whatever job you might have, you are important for you pull on the line for what is working. Working is the ability to do a job, a task or responsibility, and part of doing that responsibility, you get revenue based on the effort you put into it or the service or the product you sell. That is what working is in an anime. We don't really typically have... We have working as a career, but most of the time anime-wise... Usually the careers are just part of the character. That's what the job. But we are actually focusing on anime in the workforce where the characters, it's actually the main theme of the anime itself. And the four anime we are analyzing through the scope of anime in the workforce is Devil is a Part-Timer, Service X Servant, Quran Ho High School Host Club and Maid Summer. The one that we're gonna that actually influenced this topic is Devil. The Devil is a part timer. We have the the Devil himself, Satan, coming from the underworld, tried to live a civil human life. Why would he do that? Well, he's doing this because he's basically was. Brought out of an Kudita uh, kind of scenario, and that rebellion forced him to the surface world. And as a result, we have him trying to adapt to human lifestyle. And again, it's a really interesting concept for. We don't typically see the devil trying to be a human. Like, and they actually get a job. This is more like as human as he can get. And it also gives us an interesting perspective to the storyline. Because who would say that the devil will come to the surface world and actually get a job? It's really interesting to see that. You know. So... In it, we have, let's see, defeated by the hero, Ilma and her armies, Satan and the devil, 
Asiel are forced to flee through a portal which drops them off in modern-day Japan. Their magic slowly depleting an unfamiliar world. They're forced to act as a normal human in order to survive. The hero, Emilia, follows them through the portal. She is too met with the same circumstances, although she still harbors negative feelings toward the Satan for his past evils. They become unlikely allies in order to survive. So, this is a very interesting dynamic that we have with the two characters. We have the hero Amelia and Satan himself. The hero Amelia is literally facing the Satan's army in the underworld, overthrows them, and to avoid capture, he and a servant demon come to the mortal world. She follows him. Through that aspect, the hero Amelia and the devil are now allies. So, here's the differences between their dimension, which is the underworld, and modern-day Japan. One, the powers they add access in the dimension is very depleted. So, they have a very limited magical supply to power up. Also, modern-day Japan, you're in a new environment. You have no money, no shelter, no food, nothing. You literally come to the modern-day Japan empty-handed. You have nothing to prepare for the real world. So, the only way in that scenario to make a living is to get a job. The main character, Sato, he actually finds a job. And funny enough, the job that he actually gets is working at McDonald's. Yes. McDonald's. It's a... It's a pun in the name of McDonald's, but since McDonald's has copyrighted, McDonald's is used in that scenario. Because technically, in a show or anime, if you do not pay the copyright associated with advertising a brand, and you don't have permission for it, then you have to either make up your own name, your own restaurant, or make a pun on the name so it's not directly supporting that brand. McDonald's, compared to McDonald's, is only one difference of a letter. It's literally the same spelling, M.C. Donald's, but this is M.C. Ronald's. It's really weird how anime likes to poke fun at different industries, but technically, that's how they do it if they want to establish modern-day Japan. They do it through... Basically, they don't want to advertise companies in the anime, so as a result, they make up a new name or a similar name that's not infringing on the logo or the brand that they were supposedly advertising in the anime. But anyway, back to um, Sato. He is really interesting. He has an aspiration 
Similar to him being the Demon King. Literally, to take over corporate Japan. He's going to, his goal is to do it one, one step at one time. Every customer is his gateway to take over the corporate Japan. Yes. As, free, as funny as that sounds, the same philosophy that he brings from the Demon King, he's usually literally applying it to his job. So he's working very hard. He applies this theory of dominating the corporate atmosphere to be one day to be at the top of the empire and rule over it. I don't know exactly how the superiority complex comes into being, but I guess once you're a demon king, you can't really get rid of it, I guess. So I guess this, this is his attempt to recapture his moment of fame before he escaped the demon world. It's really hard to imagine this, that the superiority complex of authority is still being honed in in his current situation. It's kind of amazing that that's happening. I really feel that him doing this and looking at McDonald's, he literally takes it so seriously. It's 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 really refresh to see how excited he gets ready for work, go ready for work, and literally be able to, you know, one day take over. You know, it's it's previously said that um, he doesn't want to. It's perfectly said he doesn't want to use his powers in the simple aspect he can use despair and fear. He'll be able to get his powers back and resupply his magic. But his reasoning for not doing so is literally attachment to the human will. In acting like a human for like whatever weeks or months, He's growing attachment to humanity. This might sound peculiar, but it's literally once you inhabit a culture that's not your own, you can appreciate it more because what you're inhabiting is what you looked down or didn't consider at one point in your life. This is this is very important because if you don't assimilate into a population that is different from your culture, then you can look at that culture in a negative view. So keep that in mind. Now, back to him. Sato, the reason why he's so attached, he wants to give back to humanity. He feels as he owes humanity appreciation for what their culture has given him. This is huge in the aspect that he's growing as a character and that characterization resembles a human side to the devil. And this might be used in other shows like Lucifer and you know so on Netflix and stuff. But it's it's a really short anime to watch. It's like 12 episodes. So it's one of those anime that if you watch it, you actually see 
that unfold and transpire into just working at a fast food restaurant. Imagine the devil working at a fast food restaurant. That doesn't get more ironic than literally that. It's so ironic that he likes it. He loves it. He earns money. But do you also see the struggle of them barely having any food? Because there's certain points where he doesn't have enough money to afford the, the food he needs. And I think it was cucumber. It was, let's see, in one of the episodes, it was cucumbers, milk, and cheese. That's all he had left in the refrigerator. But then the demon that came with him, Sadell, said, ooh, cucumbers. So it's really interesting that they're getting excited about cucumbers, and that's like one of the only edible things they have in the refrigerator. And it's like, how can you survive with barely with any of this stuff? So he's still struggling. You see the struggle of not only adapting to human life, but the constant reminder that he doesn't have the authority as he did when he's in the underworld. So with that in mind, it's basically reason enough that it's just like, for example, um, someone who's rich. Their entire life, they've been pampered. They have never cooked for themselves. Has always seen someone drive them, chauffeur everywhere. You know, put their own clothes on. That that trope. And then suddenly they lose all the money. They go bankrupt, and now they they're poor. They have to lit not only feed themselves. Do everything they should have been doing. Hear me out. What they should have been doing. But now they're forced. As a direct result of having no money. Now they need to earn money. They're not given the money that they should. That they had. Now they have to. Work for it. Establish a living. Have enough money to make a budget. Pay. Have a shelter which is paying the bills, electricity, water, just like any human has to do. So, the Demon King is the rich man or, you know, rich child who doesn't know anything about the world, now becomes, now is poor, has to rise up and learn about human society. Because he never had a moment to learn about human society because he always remained in the underworld for centuries. So it takes an army to make him, you know, run away, go to a portal, modern Japan, and learn to survive as a human with very low magic levels. He, can, he has the option to get more magic if he wants to, but doesn't want to. So he acts like a human. A human... A humanizing devil, that is probably the best aspect. Now, I don't want to spoil everything, but that is the scope of the workforce in anime with Devil as a part-timer. Now, we go to um, Haran Host Club. So, Haran Host Club, with anyone that doesn't know, um, the... Plot gets established 
through the host club at the school, but one person breaks a vase, and now that vase is worth over $100,000. It's kind of weird that they break the vase and now has to replace it, but the thing is, the main character is broke. So now she has to work for the money to get it back to the academy. It's kind of interesting to see the dynamic. I really like it. Uh, it is a reverse harem, and the host club is all uh, men. It's all teenager, all teenager high school students, and they make a business through the the school hosting an extracurricular host club. They make a lot of money, and they play on the tropes associated, like, with their character themselves, like the twins, the twin trope. That, you know, the twins seeking affection or acting affectionate towards each other, that's a particular trope that the twins try to capitalize to have the clients in the host club. And now, the host club is very tame. There is nothing controversial about it. They're just using tropes to attract clients. Or they have a... They're using archetypes and that's the... They attract clientele based on that archetype. Alright, so... uh Harry Furika is a bright scholarships candidate with no rank or title to speak of, rare species at Huron Academy, an elite school for the schools of high high students of high pedigree. When she opens the door to the music room number three, hoping to find a quiet place to study, unexpectedly stumbles upon the host club. Tamaki, the club whose members include the Shadow King, uh, the mysterious Hitchhon twins, Karyo and Hiroki, the childlike, also known as Honey, and his strong protector, Toriyashi, is where the handsome boys with too much time on their hands entertain the girls in the academy. In a frantic attempt to remove herself from the host, ends up breaking a vase worth 8 million yen, not kidding, it's worth 8 million yen, forced to become a become the eccentric group's general errand boy, to repay her enormous debt. However, thanks to her convincingly masculine appearance, her natural general disposition to girls and fascinating commoner status, she is soon promoted to four-time male host, and before long, a glitzy whirlwind of elaborate cosplays, rich food, exciting shenanigans that only the immense wealthy host club can pull off. She's a male host, and the host club are all male hosts. They have a lot of times they have female clientele. The female clientele goes to their favorite host, and you know, with the archetype, the the protector and the senpai, and her well, I don't know, her archetype that she uses is I guess you can call femininity with a boy kind of scenario that could be a trope since that's actually what she is. 
But this, the public doesn't know that she's a female. They just think that she's very attractive boy that is... How I should say this? That has feminine aspects? Yeah. That's a good way to say it. Um, so the, very few people know the true identity of her. She just, they think she's a female. No, male. So she's gender bending a character as a male host. And it's nothing weird about it because she has to pay back the 8 million yen. And she's here on scholarship. That's the only way she was able to get in. If she didn't have that scholarship, the scholarship would, she will not be able to attend because the school was very expensive. She owned that scholarship based on merit and high academics. So she got a full-time scholarship to go to this fancy school and now forced to be a, a male host or a female dressing up as a male in this host club setting to pay back money that now she owes. Because she has no money to call for herself. She can't pay for the $8 million vase. Uh, yen vase. 8 million yen vase. It's really interesting. It's not only she's forced to work, but she finds a, I guess you could say family in the house club. They bond as friends. You really see the aspect of trying to coexist, trying to find bonds, trying to find where you belong. And for anyone that doesn't know, when you're in high school and trying to fit in is a really real aspect. Because to find your group where you belong takes some time and some work. If you don't already have it established, you need to find it. So for her, coming in as a new student on scholarship, she's actually finding at the host club by accident and voluntarily is where she belongs. And, you know, she attracts female clients based on the appearance of femininity as a male. So she capitalizes on that, makes money for it. You know, owns because the host club is an actual business. They make food, they host drinks. It's similar to how a maid cafe is. Instead of maids serving you, you have gentlemen serving you, a male host. And they actually dress up in suits and everything. So it's like the butler, a butler-type atmosphere, giving you food, making you feel fancy in this scenario. Maids, female clientele, well, females giving service. And it's not just to, you know, men coming in, and, and there's also women, too. It's really a nice atmosphere to support, because... Having staff dress up in a particular, as a character or a, a status of role, 
is kind of interesting because now it makes you feel like the experience is more surreal and fresh. That's that's the appeal of May Cafe. Back to Host Club. Um, the Host Club is very popular among the female clientele. Though you don't really see many males come in, but they can. Um, but as we see this blossoming into what is basically force against her will, she accepts the reality that she's not a bad host. And to be frank, her experience dealing with this, you know, at first she's overwhelmed. She doesn't know what to do, so she gets training to be the host and actually experiences a good transition and we get to explore her background a bit. You know, the facade that it's outside of the host club, who she truly is. The struggles of not having much money or having a situation at home that makes it more relatable to her characterization. You know, we also have Tamaki and Haru dynamic as well. He's the lead host. And they have a dynamic that slowly shifts because he gets access to the personal life. She showcases the personal life aspect to him. So they form a bond. And yes, you see the the can form a relationship, but they also uh to the host club itself, it's all they all get along. Not only that, but they had different themes, different way, you know, whatever's going on, it's to please the female clientele coming in to have a couple you know, appetizers or some tea and just really embrace a, a more comfortable life on the campus at Huan Academy. It's really interesting to have it because student-led attempts or organizations or extracurricular things on campus is really rare. Like, I know at uh, high school I did LDTV. It was a student-led announcements. And, you know, student-led activities is very encompassing of the fact that when students get together, they can actually bring something beneficial. So one way I say as Tori uh, got involved in the host club, I say getting involved in some organization, even if you're not in the school setting. Getting involved in something that's meaningful is beneficial of your time. Do something you like. Volunteer. Whatever it is, find that niche outside of your normal life. Go for it and see what happens. It's really interesting to let yourself try something new. And you know what? You don't have to be a male host that's female trying to be portraying a male role. You don't have to do that. That's kind of on the extreme side. But try something new and see where it takes you.
So, you know, as we have um person being a host, that brings the contrast to yes, Maid Sama. Uh Maid Sama is an interesting anime. For you have the the high step uh scholar student at school who has to work part-time at a maid cafe to earn money. So they don't have enough money themselves. And people at school do not necessarily know that she does a maid cafe. So it's really interesting that one day she gets someone the the most popular guy in school comes and actually sees her in the May Cafe. So it's really interesting this dynamic between them, and he the most popular guy often really frustrates her a lot. It just like makes her feel embarrassed or makes her feel frustrated. That is really interesting in that aspect. So, uh, some background about Maid Summer. Maid Summer, being the first female student council president isn't easy, especially when your school just transferred from an all-boys high school to a co-ed one. Co-ed is boys and girls. Oddly nicknamed Demon President by the boys for a strict disciplinary style, Misaki is not afraid to use her mastery of Aikido techniques to cast judgment onto the hordes of misbehaving boys and defend the girls at Sika High School. Yet, even the perfect uh, Misaki has an embarrassing secret. She works part-time as a maid in a maid cafe to help her struggling family pay the bills. She has managed to keep her job hidden from her fellow students and maintain her flawless image as a, as a stellar student until one day, Toriomi, the most popular boy in school, walks into the maid cafe. He could destroy her reputation with her secret, or he could twist the student council president around his little finger and use her secret as an opportunity to get closer to her. Okay, so this brings a lot of interesting dynamic. Misaki plays the tough role at school. She's a strict student president, but as a result, um, her demeanor outside of school is a little bit different. She has to work as a maid cafe, and in doing so, she doesn't want her two lives at school as president and her role at the maid cafe to become, to merge. She wants her to keep it separate because, well, she's super conscious about it. Her feeling of people knowing her at the maid cafe sends a subconscious motive to keep it hidden. She wants it a secret because if people found out that she's at the maid cafe, she thinks her tough president appeal at the school would not be taken seriously. 
So she's in an authoritative role as a school president, and as a result, doesn't want her reputation with the May Cafe to interfere with that. So she wants to keep those two roles of her life separate, which is perfectly fine in the scope of things. A lot of times, you know, you did one person here, one person there. You have many roles, and maybe you don't want those roles to merge together. So it's important to keep them separate, you know, in a way that is good. Then we have, um, oh boy, most popular boy, Tayumi. Ty, okay, so Tayumi is very interesting as a character. For instead of telling her secret, he uses it as blackmail. The attempt is to get close to her. For some reason, he likes frustrating her. He likes to poke at Misaki. And in doing so, they have a really complex relationship. One moment they can be arguing with each other. One moment they can be lovey-dovey. And yes, there is parts of them being lovey-dovey. And she, or she gets super embarrassed. There's a particular, you know, tropes being played out. She falls and she falls on them, like face to face kind of thing, almost kiss. Uh, that, you know, she's frustrated. She gets frustrated with being with him. At one moment, she really likes spending time with him. And at other moments, she wants to just punch him to death. It's a really interesting dynamic. We see the main, the main campus of the May Cafe a lot at in the setting of the show. It's called Made Summer for a reason. Um, and <laughs> how can I describe the May Cafe? Every single episode, there's like a different theme. Going Nico, aliens, sci-fi, fortune telling. They really put on these themes of like theme days in the May Cafe. So one day you're a fortune teller. So now they dress up as a fortune teller. They go, they give you, they give you, they dress up as fortune tellers, and then they have a fortune teller give out your fortune. Or they dress up as Nikos. Nikos are cats, so there's like cat humans, and they just play the role as a maid, giving you uh, the food and drinks, just with a special theme for the day. It's really interesting because. It plays out like the boss is very carefree. She knows that Misaki is really good at the job. So there's like different aspects to them as characters. You see them um, open to a lot of things. The staff is really nice. And, you know, even to Sumi coming in every single day to visit Misaki can create a dynamic role. Of at first when he did this, it was very frustrating to Masaki because she didn't know what he wanted, and she felt like she was being trapped with him keep coming in and actually buying food, buying drinks at the maid cafe to visit her. Obviously, there's something going on. There's like a hidden motive to what he's trying to do. So, makes it appeal as if he's interested in her. 
And actually, in reality, he might be. But he's that person in that relationship. Any small thing that he can use to his advantage to frustrate you, he will. It's really interesting seeing how often she gets frustrated with him. <laughs> Whatever shenanigan he pulled or or what thing he went overboard with in the anime. I, I don't want to say too much about what he does because you got to see the, the interaction between the two to see what the anime is actually about. I personally like it. It really delivers high characterization. It gives a feeling of high school president and maid totally separate, but not together. And, you know, the contrast to her own house club is that, yes, it's a hidden life, but they're completely separate. You know, host club is at the school while the maid cafe is not at the school. So the school setting is not the main focus. It is the maid cafe outside of the school. The relationship that she has with Tusumi outside and how she's always frustrated, you know, seeing the interaction between them heightens the anime to a degree that plays off onto the romantic fighting and all that stuff. It's really interesting. I've watched it and I've really loved it. And I know people can also love it as well. Now, if you're interested in that type of story, please go ahead. Watch it, see how they interact, see not only how she handles herself as president, but also maid at night. You know, present during the school day, during the uh, afternoon, evening, she's made. Now, she's, you know, it's a great show for those who want to explore it and see, you know, see how it fits with the anime and the workforce theme. Because you might like it, you might not, but it's up to you to see what you want to try with it. So that brings the last anime that we're using as a case study for anime in the workforce, Service X Servant. So this show is particularly interesting for, you know, its servant role. But now we have a dynamic of the character. Servant X Service. Okay, yeah. Uh, it was Square Enix, Monthly, yada, yada, yada. So the story revolves around the daily lives of civil servants in a government office building in the fictional city of Misuba. Hariko, yeah. Or Haikaido, yeah. Lucy's parents had a very hard time picking a single name for when she was born because of her decisiveness, decided to give her over a dozen different names, and this was legally approved by a civil servant, no less. At adult age, Lucy manages to land a job at the same public service, but her reason to seek is to seek revenge against the person who had legalized her long ridiculously long name 
Being a civil servant is not an easy job, with many angry citizens facing different challenges and have to put up with wacky co-workers each day. However, Lucy's determined to do whatever it takes to get a revenge. Newcomers, uh, Hasebe, Yutoka, Yamagami, Mayoshi, and Supervisor Akima go through the daily quirks of working at their office. So, <laughs> she has a ridiculously long name, and she's serving to be a civil servant. Not out of duty, but out of revenge. It's really interesting to see that because I don't know if that's a really good motivation to seek the... I don't know. It's really interesting because you're seeking a job and you're only seeking the job because you have a super long name that was approved by the civil servant. Now you're a civil servant and you went to get revenge on the civil servant who gave her this long name. Oh my. She really has a long name. I'm not kidding. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen uh, separate names. Lucy, Kimoko, Aki, uh, Aria, Shirui, Rene, Yoshio, Anyo, Tamika, Shizose, Sane, Mikioko, Itaka. I know I probably butchered that long name, but that is 13 individual names as a long name. Typically, you don't really have that much. Usually it's like senior or, you know, a really long name like, I don't know, R.G. Griffin III, you know, stuff like that. Or you have, there we go, let's say this. Let's say you are Frank Green Joseph, Frank Green Green, Frank Green Joseph, no, Frank Joseph Green Franklin V. I mean, that by itself is an example of what a long name can sound like. And a lot of times when you have a long name, your name gets shortened on, you know, usually long names are associated with other countries. Um, and other countries have different customs to like surname, uh, prefixes, suffixes, how they address people. So, you know, even maiden names can also be long as well. Name is a tied to your history and your ancestry and your lineage as a family. So it's a look at it as the name is symbolizing you individually. You a lot of people don't have that name. And if they do, it's by coincidence, not on purpose. A lot, you know, if you had the same name as like George Washington Carver, well, they identified by initials or they say the middle name and the full name to discriminate this 
yeah, this distinguish between who they're talking about because there's multiple people with that name. But back to um, Service X Servant. So Lucy Yagami, that's just her short name. That's not 13 characters. Um, it's the central character of the anime. She's young, neck length, black hair, brown eyes, round glasses. A single characteristic on the right of her hair. Okay. She dresses up very plainly. Black turtleneck, white pants, dark brown, slip-on shoes with black socks or sandals. So, however, despite her... Oh, gosh. Uh, her short stature, she also has an infertility complex. She was seen wearing a dress made by Chia. Okay. So, she was teased by children at a young age because of her long name, often ran to the library to escape the bullying and thus found herself in, the, in love with books. Due to said teasing, she developed an extreme inferiority complex, thinking herself as plain, unattractive, and dressing up fashionably, even the idea Wearing a skirt is terrifying for her. This prevents her from accepting romantic approach from the opposite gender, thinking there's no way any man would like her romantically. <sighs> her personality-wise is setting up the story, the inferior complex. When your entire life, you have people calling you down and, for example, Give you a name that you don't like. But just, you know, that common thing. That has an impact. That impact is if you don't like it, why they keep calling me it, not respect my wishes. You are being targeted. And that targeting aspect makes the piece, the person feel isolated and not insecure about themselves. So don't, if you see it happening, do not let it happen because it has later implications down the line. It affects how they grow up. It affects motivation. Sometimes the motivations as an adult change because of the childhood traumatic experience, make a difference, stand up, or they could be scarred from it. And then certain aspects you don't see, but it's like trust issues, stuff like that. But all of this is the background for her to do to take well on the civil servant. She she tries to be a servant, and as a result, she gets in under false prefixes, meaning she has ulterior motive to serve as a servant. It's really interesting because servant X servant is really interesting in this aspect. Because not now she has to be a servant servant. She takes it upon herself to do it and now embrakes on this journey a civil servant. So it's really interesting to see how it benefits in the long run to be the civil servant. For anyone that doesn't know what a civil servant is, Alright, a member of the civil service. A person employed in the public sector by the government department of agency for the public sector undertakings. Work for the central government and state governments and answer to the government, not a political party. The study of the civil service is part of the field of public service. So she passed the civil service exam to be undertaking this journey. And civil servants are also the people who approve names, 
birth certificates, handle day-to-day life. There's a lot of documents they process. Um, it's the undertaking in which they use their job. Now, there is a like, negative stigmatize of the public servant exam, and that is, you know, back in the day, China and Japan, if you were a civil servant, you were, like, higher in society if you passed it. And uh, they serve for the public service. You could work as a vet, a customer service advisor, weapons engineer, a marine biologist, web developer. Whatever you do, whatever you work, a job in the service is an opportunity to make a difference. So there's different occupations as a civil servant, but Yangami's role is revenge. It's really interesting how it plays out. Because now she's in the public sector in a public government job and tries to, you know, exceed at the work, do something that is beyond her. You know, she's out of her comfort zone. You know, she as much as she is scarred by her long name, you know, she comes to realize that maybe she also bombed people other super summits, like for example, Yutaka. But uh, further in the anime, goes on an official date. Okay, apparently her long her name is even longer than thirteen characters. Lucy, Ataki, Akiri, Shuri, Rini, Asuru, Chihoko, Anoro, Fumika, Sane Miku, Itaki. But Yukino, Rina, Ari, I, Tomiko, Saisuke, Emila, Julia, Sisuku, Irina, Chisa, Yumika, Nasuki, Ran Ran, Riko, Sasori, Chiko Azumi, Marina, Higuri, Shiki, Masaki, Naomi, Campbell, Miki, Yuka, Masako, oh my, Sakino, Nano, Masumi, Haruna, Yuna, Shimako, Yuki, Rin, Sakura, Kanawabaka, Renana, Hazuki, Hamane, Ruri, Muhain, Moka, Mokaka, Himori, Nomazori, Hubata, Mafuri, Yagami. As her name had been a very hard time single name for when she was born, they decided to give her a dozen different names. It's really weird that she has so many names. So it's 12 names, but it's over 26 characters. So, a little bit of Lucy that we, you know, see not as much. Uh, because of the show, a strong resemblance to Suka, the female lead, protagonist of the anime of the same name, both hairstyles. Um, ha! She strongly resembles Vilma Diki. Oh my. She, was, uh, she reminds me of Vilma at Scooby Doo. That's that's how I get from Lucy's demeanor. I really think she's like a... If she had red hair, 
and the glasses and the roundness of the hair should be Velma from Scooby-Doo. Now, that's just a little tangent, but I feel like her character is literally zoinks all day long. Uh, let's see. Bright Sun and Sandals most of the show. Barely shown barefoot, only shown one time. Uh, yeah. Very sensitive to a... Uh, so... She is really modest in her personality, uh, naval and all that stuff to wear, you know, views an outfit. They pull down the shirt very forcefully. There's no way they can air that. So she really has an interesting ideal in everything she does. She's modest. She's shy, reserved. Really, tip you really don't think she have the. Well, she's really you know. Academically strong, so that's probably where the strong base of the civil servant comes from. So we see her dealing with her long name. I don't know why I'm emphasizing on this, but the long name is the primary reason. It's it's a motive for her to join the civil service to find the person who named her such, and then whatever she does to find him or them or her, it's really hard to say what she can do when she can, when she approaches the person who named her. <laughs> and I think it's funny. It just goes back to show you that when parents name you, they have a reason. And they might not, uh, they might give you a name that you might be embarrassed about, or, you know, it's your prerogative to have a name. Now, there is, like, legal stuff to change a name and go through that process. But most of the time, if you're going to change your name, talk with your family. Because, you know, it's your parents... They name you for a reason. So if you are confident in changing your name, have an open discussion with them to change your name. Because a name is very symbolic and individual based. It gives you, it's your identity. So keep that in mind as the importance of a name comes to light and the power it holds and motivation to become a civil servant. And Sigmund for a very long name with 12 different names. And I even I had a hard time pronouncing all of it. Just, just imagine writing that name on paper and then being treated differently because of that name. So this wraps up um, Anime in the Workforce segment of episode 8 of MC Anime Podcast. Uh, where we reviewed the Devil's a Part-Timer, the Ron High School Host Club, Maid Summer, and now Servant X Service. So they're all different jobs you can have, and as a result, choose which job is best for you. For a job is your livelihood, which is going to make you money, so you should be happy in what you're doing. So even if you have to rediscover what you like, even if you had an established job, 
there is no fault for you to leave that job and try something else. It happens all the time. You don't have to know what your dream job is. You can change it at any point to be happy. Just know that that is your obligation to to what you want to do or what you settle to do. Even if you settle, you're not necessarily as happy. There is benefits in the long run, an established career or established job, or maybe you're the type of person that's good job to job, and that's strength in itself too, because you're willing to adapt to do different jobs. But anyway, that concludes the eighth episode of the Insanity Podcast. And I hope you have you guys have a nice day. Signing off.